Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here with Camp Notes from August 9th, 2023. Uh, not too hot today in the mid-80s, I would say, out in uh, Owings Mills. Uh, full pads on today. Uh, participation in general. Ronnie Stanley and Morgan Moses, we believe, had vet days, although we did not get an official confirmation of that. In terms of otherwise, uh, the various lists of injuries and whatnot that people are on, the PUP list is now down to just J.K. Dobbins, and we'll get to that exciting news uh, in a moment. Uh, the NFI list, uh, Mullen, Voris, Bowser, and Nick Moore, uh, three of those four are not expected to play at any time this year. Bowser, we are still hoping uh, we'll have some good news on him, and he'll be back. In terms of practice being missed today, Simpson, uh, Trenton Simpson missed. Uh, David Ajabo was actually back and played pretty well. Rock Yasin out. Um, Stone was out. Mollette was out. And Pepe Williams was out, which left the Ravens kind of shorthanded at, in slot corner in particular. Uh, early in practice, this is a bad one. Uh, Gus Edwards walked into the locker room. Uh, no obvious injury but he left the field as we were switching to the other field so kind of the, the, the media all walked by the area where he was uh leaving the field so uh it's never good news when a player uh leaves the field did leave some opportunity for some of the other backs who are a little bit buried on the depth chart uh gordon got a few more carries as did keaton mitchell uh, in particular so uh at least some some benefit there for them we certainly hope it's something serious for gus uh, no new word on Dobbins. Uh, there was no John Harbaugh at the podium today, so that's not a big surprise. But uh, uh, his PUP status continues. Uh, Bateman is the big return. He returned from PUP, still is not doing uh, any 11-on-11 or even 7-on-7 drills. Uh, he just practiced on the side and did some individual drills, and uh, that was the day for him. Uh, I would say... It was a physical and chippy practice, particularly by the defense, which uh, they seem to be the more physical of the two groups, more eager to mix it up. Uh, the scoreboard showed a 64 to 58 win for the offense in a practice where I would have said, just looking at it, that the defense seemed a little bit ahead. Um, they certainly uh, were the more physical of the, of the two units. And I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned already, so I don't need to go further into it. The other big news of the day, Broderick Washington extended through the 2026 season, $17.5 million uh, for the additional three years. Um, he, he also is uh, – his year that he's already signed for is already included in that. So a much-needed extension for the Ravens. The 2024 Ravens had only Travis Jones on the defensive line set to play. So I've been kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, and whether it might be Broderick Washington or Justin Matabike, who took an early deal – 
I think the Ravens got a fair price on Broderick here. Um, might even really turn out to be a, an excellent bargain if he uh, uh, continues his development, plays a little bit better this year than he did last. Um, he's, he's an impressive man, and, and in terms of his work ethic, nobody does anything but praise it. So that's uh, that's very positive. I'll have a little bit more on that at the end of the at the end of the show because he was included in the interviews as a kind of a surprise a surprise addition. He had some interesting things to say. So let's start with special teams. The kickoff drill is what they started the day with. And uh, this is a good one. Um, a lot of it's about kickoff blocking, about trying to to follow the block if you're the return man and know what you're doing. But uh, the guy who really stood out was Josh Ross. And it didn't matter whether he was blocking, where he was excellent, or covering, where he was also excellent. Um, but he, he did a very good job of finishing his own one-on-one drop-back block. So you start up closer to the, to the spot of the kick. You drop back to a certain point where the, the blocking is set up. Then you have to make execute your block and not hopefully let your one-on-one assignment get by. And it's just they start this with one-on-one and they build up as they do with most special teams drills to be an 11-on-11 drill. So anyway, he looked very good. Uh, he, he, he set up his own block and he beat his own opponent when doing a coverage snap. So Josh Ross is a guy who really stood out to me. Daryl Worley also slung down Shamar Bridges with his block, so I thought that was uh, good. Jeremiah Moon overpowered Dante Demas, uh, but unfortunately he also had a hold on Christian Welch a little bit earlier on, on one of his own um, uh, blocking return snaps. Very competitive drill. Uh, the physicality was apparent and I think very much expected. Uh, Chris Horton, uh, who's a special teams coach, was regularly exhorting players to finish their blocks and, uh, you know, being very happy with that physicality being delivered. And he had some uh, coaching for players that weren't able to stand up to the physicality and were getting a little bit uh, blown off their spot as blockers in particular. And, uh, you know, you could you could see him going to each one that that uh, kind of failed to do that. And there were several uh, in this practice. On offense, I'd say it was a much better day than it was on Saturday. Saturday, a very difficult day for the offense with those nine interceptions. Uh, today was much better. So if you haven't heard the last the last couple of days, Lamar Jackson has been back and playing with the wristband again. So practicing with the wristband, I should say. So it looks like that experiment has kind of gone by the boards. And um, it was interesting. In one of the earlier camp notes, it might be the 26th or the 28th of July, um, Monken is at the podium and he talks a little bit about, uh, you know, why he wants, uh, Lamar to basically not use the, with, and I'm paraphrasing what he actually said. So you can actually go back and listen to what he said if you want to hear it, but, but I'll give you my interpretation of it is he didn't like the fact that Lamar Jackson was using the wristband as a crutch and he wanted Lamar to learn the offense better. So he's not just parroting words off the wristband as opposed to really knowing what's supposed to happen. He thought that was important for, you know, what you do at the line of scrimmage and all that. Um, for whatever reason, uh, that's that's a difficult thing to implement. And, uh, uh, you know, it may – you could come up with a lot of reasons why it won't be true. I won't go into that. Um, but anyway, Lamar is wearing the wristband again and, uh, and calling the plays uh, presumably from that, although I didn't – you know, I wasn't in a position to hear if that's what's actually happening um, in the huddle. 
One thing we saw uh, quite a few times today was Jackson's connection with Devin Duvernay, who was probably the best receiver today. Um, he hit him several times, and it's when he hit them that's important. So he he escaped the pocket to the right, and he hit Duvernay. Duvernay found space. You really love to see that on the extended plays. A player who develops trust with Jackson. I think Dra- Jackson trusts his hands to a good degree, so it's really nice to see that happen. The very next play after that extended play, he hit him for a 10-yard gain on the other sideline. So uh, nice to see that 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 trust being built up. Obviously, Duvernay had a fair number of targets last year and earned some trust from Lamar, I'd say, in, in terms of his play and his, his good high percentage catch rate. But uh, But this is good to see it continue. And with all of the other options that Lamar has in Beckham and Andrews and and uh, Aguilar, uh, Bateman when he comes back, but uh, but with all the other options uh, he has, and Zay, of course, um, it's nice to see Lamar still having that trust for a player like Duvernay and still to feel like he'll be an important part of the offense. And I, I really think he will be this year. We'll see him on the field more than a, a token number of snaps. Uh, Jackson had one interception on the day. It was on an overthrow that was collected by Jaquan Amos. I could not even tell you who that ball was intended for. I can tell you it was overthrown because it was thrown into empty space. I don't think it was a throwaway intended to fall in empty space. So I couldn't exactly tell you. But Jaquan Amos did a really good job of of digging it out, um, not letting it hit the ground, and and collecting the interception that uh, that was the only one of the day. For the second consecutive day now, John Simpson was starting at left guard. Now, if you if you caught the show last week, um, the last time Harbaugh was at the podium uh, that I recorded it, he indicated that that would happen, that that switch would be happening next week, that uh, uh, Simpson would be moving into left guard and Salah would be moving out of the twos. That, in fact, is exactly what happened. So that's the only char- change in on the offensive line was him at left guard. Uh, once you get past the fact that both Moses and Stanley had the day off for some reason. So uh, uh, John Simpson at left guard. Yeah, this is one of these situations where I got the question, do you think it, it bodes better for Simpson to be second or first in terms of his chance to start? And I have heard this in terms of Companies trying to to do things like giving each of two people either two or three years to run the company so they can um, retain two very talented people that they, where they'd like to keep them both and maybe they have each very important parts of the business they run. Well, anyway, if in that sort of a situation, I think you're better off being second. And the reason is you have a chance to react to the person ahead of you and the mistakes that they made. It might be some of that that we'll see from Simpson as well. That you know he, he has his own problems in terms of, of a lot of penalties, and so we'll see how that goes in the preseason. But uh, Salah has his penalties with inexperience and some uh, potential issues with pass blocking that that uh, hopefully we'll see Simpson um, uh, shine a little better at. So if if you had to tell me who's ahead right now, I think that it's it's probably pretty darn close. But I think that Simpson, I would say, is the slight leader right now in terms of his likelihood of being the starter uh, come opening day. Let's see. Zay Flowers uh, had a nice tip drill uh, completion to himself near the left sideline, 15-yard catch. He didn't do a lot today. He was targeted a couple times, short plays, seven on seven. You know, it just weren't any big explosive plays to Zay today. Nothing way down the field, nothing where he, you know, 
made a move that made people ooh and ah. Uh, you know, the people did ooh and ah over the tipped ball to himself. That was a nice play, but uh, but there wasn't any of the the uh, leaving a cornerback in the dust uh, situations that we've seen uh, from him and from some of the other receivers over the last few days. One-on-one drills, I had a few plays I wanted to talk about. Uh, Shamar Bridges had a drop. Uh, he also overran a 40-yard pass down the right sideline. So you want to, you know, your one-on-one reps are pretty good opportunities. They're also, because the quarterback doesn't have a bunch of options, they're also reasonable options for opportunities for the defense as well. But you need to make the best, do the best what you can to uh, position yourself to make a move on your opponent in a one-on-one drill and hopefully to find the football and get it. And, and the first time he dropped the football, the second time he never found it. Um, and that, that's not obviously an ideal combination for Bridges. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had probably the move of the day. He lost JAD with a double move for 10 plus yards of separation, I would say. Uh, thing of beauty. And, uh, and Nelson Aguilar is having a pretty big camp at this point. You'd have to figure he's going to get some significant snaps too. So it's it's nice in terms of the receivers not just have Bateman back, which would be the single biggest factor of all, but that OBJ and Aguilar aren't walking wounded. They aren't missing a whole bunch of time during camp. They're available and it looks like both of them really want to want to play significant a significant role for the Ravens this year. I think OBJ is kind of um, uh, pre- determined by the contract size he has. I don't think it's as obvious with Aguilar, uh, but I think they will find a roster spot for him, and I expect him to have more than a token number of catches. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we if if he would end up getting two catches per game or two targets per game, I should say, um, uh, if he's with the team. I mean, he's, he's, he's looked surprisingly good in camp, better than I thought uh, he, he would. Uh, another another guy who showed up in the one-on-one drills was Sean Ryan. He blew by cornerback Corey Mayfield for a big gain down the left sideline. And it was one of these things where Greg Lewis went to him right before the play and seemed to whisper to him something. And it must have been like overriding whatever the play call was supposed to be and just telling him, go ahead and beat this guy deep. And, and sure enough, he did. And uh, Mayfield couldn't stay with him down that left sideline. Long, long uh, completion. Move over to the seven-on-seven drills. Now, one-on-one drills are better and closer to 11-on-11 drills than seven-on-seven. Seven-on-seven is the easiest format for the quarterback to excel, for them to get the the lots of easy pitch-and-catch completions for no easy um, uh, pressure, no pressure situations to develop. So um, seven-on-seven is the easiest form for the offense. And Marcus Williams had a had a big hit on a catch by Aguilar, but but Aguilar held on. Another, you know, definitely plus play for Nelson. Um, just like in the one on ones, Sean Ryan again beat Mayfield for a forty plus yard gain. Um, the play after Mayfield had just made a very nice play, clubbing a ball free from Makai Polk. So uh, a couple of you know, Mayfield certainly had his ups and downs. He, I think he had two interceptions on Saturday. But with the Ravens' cornerback room in a lot of trouble, he looks like a guy that that the Ravens may decide makes the roster for starters. He's he, then they'd have him for four years, and he might be a guy who sees playing time this year. Uh, so it, it's uh, it'll be one of the players I'm certainly looking at during these preseason games coming up. So that's very exciting. Uh, other seven on seven action: Christian Welch had a near INT in coverage of Vokalek. 
Uh, and that was 10 yards right in the middle of the field between the hashes. Uh, Vokalek has been all over the field. In fact, a number of the great defensive plays in this game, they weren't necessarily bad plays by Vokalek, but Vokalek was the target on a number of these plays and ended up pretty well targeted for a physical beating by the defense, as we'll get to uh, in some of the rest of this. But uh, anyway, Christian Welch, a near INT in coverage of him. Move on to 11 on 11. A uh, number of things happening. Uh, it, J- Justin Armour Davis, Jalen Armour Davis, sorry, has had a, uh, a a very difficult camp, in my opinion. I, I know there's people who want to pull the positive out. There's people who want to say the positive in terms of coach speak. But in my ability, the, that, that third corner job is wide open for the taking. And he's one of the guys saying, I don't think I deserve it by his play on the field. And that's really unfortunate. But uh, today he was flagged for a 40-yard DPI on Odell Beckham down the right sideline. Uh, flag run out very quickly. And all of the the troubles he's had, some of it with penalties and others of it with just the ball, you know, getting to the receiver even when he's there, are, are a function of him not finding the football in the air. He doesn't really seem to do that very well at all. Um, doesn't get his hands on the ball well. Ball skills are, are uh, negligible for, for Jalen Armour Davis. So he, he's got to, he's got to bring something to the game there. He's either. And you know, the third thing he could bring is a bodacious club of the sort that Marlon Humphrey has. Now Humphrey can do other things for you on the field and he can, he can find the football, but he can club that ball free too when it's at the catch point or just coming down from the catch point, which is something if you're, if you're looking for a hope for Davis, I think it would have to include something like that. Because he, he right now the ball skills are not there. He falls for too many fakes. He's too easily, you know, um, mani- manipulated by the receiver. And I think that that's, uh, you know, could get him. And uh, it's part of what is making him grabby. And I'm I'm afraid that that will turn into penalties if he gets significant snaps during the season. Uh, we certainly hope Rock Yassin is healthy. But I think right now, if I had to say, I think the Ravens are still looking for another cornerback. They need a Sam linebacker but they need a cornerback uh, every bit as much. So uh, that corner situation is, uh, is is pretty dire right now. Other 11-on-11 11 11 action, Ajabo and uh, Hamilton wrapped up Gordon for a loss on a run play. Ravens look very good in run defense, generally speaking. Um, there are only a few good runs on the day. Um, I would say Keaton uh, had several, and uh, his speed was apparent, got it a level two, um, exploited holes fairly well. But uh, generally speaking, I'd say that the Ravens' run defenses looked excellent. And both Ajabo and Hamilton had big days in terms of, of what they did. Hamilton's been all over the field and camp in, in general. And I'm really looking forward to him playing very little in the preseason. I think he at this point, he probably gets the starter's treatment. There's no need to, to see him out there for very much time. Uh, he probably will anyway just because he's, you know, kind of wants the live fire at strong safety in the NFL. But I think we're at a point where um, you want to make sure Hamilton is bubble wrapped. You want to make sure he's regular, ready for the regular season and isn't taking a lot of risks with his body during a preseason when other players may be more physical uh, than he is. So that's always a, uh, you know, a risk. Uh, talk to me a little bit about our Darius Washington on Saturday, because he had a big game and a big day, I should say. And he, he again had a big day today where he was seeing a lot of reps with the ones on defense. So 
that's really part of the key for Ardarius to be a serious consideration for the slot cornerback role. Uh, he's just got to be getting some some playing time, and it's got to go into the season. He wants to get first half playing time, so he's at least going against the twos mostly for the Eagles on Saturday. And I think if you can get that, then that'll be his his audition. Uh, uh, the the best they can do. Hopefully, they get an evaluation of him that they like during that time. Uh, he's he's a guy who uh, you know, I I am still hopeful for could could be the slot corner on this team. And I mentioned Pepe was out today. And Mollett was out today, so that's a couple of guys who are who are in competition with him for that slot corner role. This is his opportunity right now. Uh, he needs to take advantage of it, and, and hopefully he will. So Lamar makes some other good open throws in zone, um, both to Likely and to Andrews at various times. There might have been about three of them between the two. Uh, defense seemed to be playing a fairly soft cover two shell. And so it's the kind of thing where um, you just really like to see that what Lamar is doing with his other receivers or what the other receivers are doing are forcing Lamar to take those threats seriously. And that's creating room for Lamar, sorry, for Andrews and for likely. And that's going to be one of the big keys to the Ravens, this offense, this offense, this season. Can they, can they continue to get Andrews some nice open looks in the middle of the field? And if not him, how about likely? Um, those two guys together could uh, could do a lot of damage. And the last play I'll mention from 11 on 11 specifically is one of the last plays of the day. And John Simpson, the left guard, is a very large man, but he was upended. I did not see exactly how it happened, but he went to the ground um, and it looked like he flipped to go to the ground. Uh, he got up. He was not hurt, or at least he was not apparently hurt. But he then got a, a razzing chest bump from Adafi Owe, who was making a lot of noise, and it came up to, you know, give him a chest bump. So, uh, you know, insult to injury, <laughs> addition kind of thing by Owe there. But uh, the defense, obviously, they're playing cocky, they're playing gregarious and obnoxious, as uh, John Harbaugh talked about those words last week, and uh, I think they're they're really enjoying it in terms of what's going on. Keaton Mitchell, I'd say, looked fairly explosive as a runner today. Uh, that's important. We need to see some of Keaton. We need to see some of him exploiting holes. We need to see some burst from him when he gets into level uh, level two. One of the things about camp run plays is that the running backs run them out, but the rest of the teams don't. They you know only run them out until the whistle, and so the running backs are getting you know one out of every six plays or so that they're maybe fewer than that that they're actually running the football you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So they want to run it out for a touchdown pretty much every time they touch the ball or, or at least something close to that. We saw a little bit less of that run all the way down the field stuff from Keaton Mitchell today because there were few running backs available. So him and uh, Owen, let me get this right here. Yeah, uh, Owen Wright were taking a lot of the snaps at running back. Uh, Melvin Gordon took a few as well, of course. Uh, and and that paucity of running backs means that you don't want to have them expend all the energy. I do remember one uh, Hard Knocks episode where the the team in question, I don't remember which it was, it might have been Carolina, but, but I don't remember for sure, um, was out of running backs. They only had one guy left on the whole roster, and he was taking all the running back reps, and then one of the defensive linemen clotheslined him. And he got up pissed off about it, of course. And and the uh, the head coach made a made a point. I think it was Del Rio because that, that's telling me it's probably what Jags or Panthers, Jags rather. Um, uh, he he want to say that hey, this is important that we we take care of each other. And I think that's something to remember always when we're having these practices, uh, and particularly ones in full pads. That you know you still don't want to go 100% hitting speed for opening day here. And you probably don't want to go even 100% of the hitting speed for a preseason game. And you probably don't want to even go 100% of the hitting speed for a joint practice where your opponent is a member of the commanders. So at that point, you know, you could, you can do a few more things in terms of putting the other guy on the ground but you still don't want to. You still don't want to injure people. You got to play by the a set of rules that they have for practice. That's that's different in terms of tackling and not blocking low and whatnot. So, I think it's important that that the Ravens take care of each other. They're starting to run into a few more injuries now in camp. The running back and cornerback situations, in particular, um, don't look great in terms of injuries. So uh, hopefully they uh, they'll get that figured out. Let's see. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, I, I, I did mention that he had more attempts today with Edwards and Dobbins out. Um, he had some nice burst into level two. The other thing he had, there was a jailbreak on a screen pass, jailbreak in terms of the, the, the protection. And whoever it was, it might have been Snoop, got the ball off late, but uh, or on time, I'll say, got the, before the pass rush got home. But Keaton Mitchell uh, couldn't haul it in. And so, you know, Mitchell's got to look for not just to be ordinary, but be extraordinary at this point in order to, um, you know, make some plays, get on the team, get a significant role right out of the gate. Uh, he's very important to the Ravens because, you know, he, he'll be around in 2024. Um, others won't, and including probably both Dobbins and Edwards. So uh, he needs to figure it out and and pretty quickly. What mark can he leave on the offense, on this team, on the coach's memory from a from a big preseason and, and some practices. Talking a little bit about more about the defense here now. I, I talked about Ardarius Washington seeing more time with the ones at the nickel. I don't need to go back into that again. Uh, Brandon Stevens is back at outside corner. And that's, 
honestly where the Ravens need him most right now. They're very, very short in that area. So we've seen, I think, a few philosophies that were present in camp early on that have kind of been had to be unwound or unraveled um, because of the turn of events. And so, yeah, obviously with the Ravens situation, of cornerback being dire, uh, Stevens going back there makes a lot of sense. Maybe they keep a different safety. Maybe they don't, Uh, but they'll have a, they'll have another option to, um, uh, you know, go back to um, uh, that in particular. So, uh, Stevens anyway, on the outside is something I thought made a lot of sense. Uh, they did, the Ravens did have a lot of people to sift through, but they no longer have Mullen. Uh, they're missing some other guys like Mullet and Demarion Williams right now. Uh, JAD is not playing particularly well. So that combination of things I think is a good enough reason to move Stevens back to the outside. And I, I kind of hope he stays there and I'm going to be very interested to see where he plays in the preseason. I think it'll tell you a lot about what the Ravens, uh, plans truly are. Some other defenders that had a big day. Uh, David Ajabo forced uh, Owen Wright to the sideline after a short gain while in coverage. I wouldn't normally mention a play like that, but it's nice to see Ajabo uh, relating, um, adapting to some coverage responsibilities and doing a good job with it. So, uh, you know, you have to see him be a downhill player and, and see him diagnose and stay with a receiver uh, in such reps and i think uh, he did a good job on that particular play on the very next play uh he met owen wright in the hole for no gain owen wright was the running back that he he tackled you know air quotes on both those plays um but uh but he was a job also had a big physical hit with i believe roquan smith yeah uh on vocalex so um Lots of lots of nice plays there um, for, for in a day for Ajabo, and uh, hopefully he can keep that up. And another guy that I'm really looking forward to see play in preseason a fair amount. So uh, uh, we'll see. I think the most interesting thing about Ajabo during the preseason, well, I'm gonna, I'm interested also to see if he can get to the quarterback, if he can make some great moves, if he can show some compound moves that are clearly you know something that Chuck Smith has helped him with. I'm looking for all that. But maybe more, most importantly of all, I want to see how he can cover. I want to see how he can drop back off the line of scrimmage and if the Ravens can convert him potentially into a Sam linebacker, given that they don't have anyone else right now. So important preseason for him, and and uh, and he's uh, a guy I'm definitely watching. Kyle Hamilton was in the backfield all day, uh, run and pass. He continues to be one of the really dominant players in camp. There's not a lot more to say about it other than uh, he's also outgrown the need for him to play very much in the preseason. So I kind of hope they don't do that. But, uh, but anyway, he's, uh, got another fine day today. Roquan Smith. I got five plays for you from Roquan Smith. Cause he had a very big day. And if anything, he was too physical for this practice. So, you know, you're in pads, you want to hit at some point. Ideally you do that to an opponent, but, uh, in, in his case, uh, he made five plays. I'll go through them here. He forced out Prochet on a jet sweep. So uh, a little pitch play in the backfield or a jet sweep. And and uh, he stayed with Prochet and pushed him all the way to the sideline. So I thought that was good. Uh, he had a pass defense at five yards that he dislodged from Ben Mason. Now, Ben Mason has had absolutely an awful camp of not being able to hold on to the football. But Roquan gave him one more to remember for the road. So uh, that was uh, another good play. 
He had a downhill play on Vokalek, five yards between the numbers and the left hash. Positive play, uh, not his only play on Vokalek. He and Ajabo delivered a big hit to the tight end to dislodge a ball, five yards, four circle. That's I, I am my shorthand, five yards uh, past the line of scrimmage and between the, the right hash and right numbers. Uh, and that was in um, uh, 11 on 11. Uh, he also had a pass defensed uh, intended for Vokalek that came from Josh Johnson. So uh, really good day of getting his hand on the football and uh, he looks ready to go. And it, it, you know, more than anything, you look at this defense and they didn't just play more physical because they wouldn't have to, they can play brother. They could presumably turn their, their uh, level of effort down to brother-in-law play, but they haven't done that. They've, they've been, uh, they've been very eager to play football hard uh, in order to uh, try and get better and, and get ready for that regular season. So Roquan's been one of them to, uh, to do that. Uh, continuing on, Marcus Williams had a PD in coverage of Charlie Kolar. There wasn't a whole lot to report on that one other than it was uh, about five yards between the numbers and left hash. Uh, good, so good play. Patrick Queen had a hard tackle on Keaton Mitchell on one of the most physical plays of the day. And I'll just say this. This is not a tackling practice. This is a non, non-tackling process. It's a, it's a um, do no harm to your running backs and wide receivers practice. Uh, so don't let them get hit hard. And uh, he was um, he, he took Keaton down to the ground. And you, there was no other individual tackle. There were a couple times where there's a little bit of a collision and somebody spun. I don't remember anyone truly being tackled otherwise. So uh, uh, that was frustrating. And, uh, and it's good to see that, uh, that they probably had to talk about that, would be my guess, at the end of the day. Travis Jones, another real physical play. He knocked down Owen Wright from behind. And Owen Wright got up, and it looked like, Travis Jones was still trying to slap at the football to knock it loose. So I don't know what the rules are for that. I don't know if it's part of the Ravens scoring system that, yeah, go ahead and dislodge the football whenever you want. And it still is going to count as points for the defense. The defense is saying, Oh, we, we really want to make sure we do this and et cetera. But anyway, I, I think that, that um, uh, Travis Jones a little bit over the top in terms of his physicality on that particular play. Go move on to the interviews. I'm just going to take a sip of water here before we go. <clears throat> so Randy Brown was first at the podium. Um, he had a fair number of things to say. The first was about Tyler Ott, the long snapper. He said they had a list of 70 long snappers that they went through to find Ott. Uh, talked about how lucky they were to get him uh, and that you know he'd been a pro bowler already uh, with Seattle. And uh, uh, he was somebody who, you know, they're very happy about being able to get. Uh, he talked about Jordan Stout being the best holder in the NFL. And I talked about Justin Tucker having the strongest leg in the NFL. And people asked a, a fair number of questions about, you know, what makes Tucker great or this or that. Um, related questions about what does he still need to work on, that sort of thing. He said the thing he does is he tries to hit every ball in the same sweet spot, an inch below center, uh, right on that football. And that's how he is so successful converting such a high percentage of his kicks. 
And uh, he, he does it time after time after time right on that sweet spot. Uh, I asked him specifically if he had a limit on how many kicks per day Justin should be taking. So, you know, you hear about Michael Phelps taking a lot of laps, even when he's swimming in the Olympics and he may have two events on the day. He still might do 200 other laps. So uh, it was interesting, interesting thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, how many kicks per day is about the right number? He said, well, Justin and I may have different ideas about that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly in, in how that would be, but he said that Justin knows when he's done and he kicks three to four days per week and might kick anywhere between 30 and 60 kicks per day. So maybe close to 200 total, maybe a little bit less, maybe it's more like 160 um, uh, balls per week that he may kick. Um, and he tries to kick every single one of them the same. And you know, I think we saw last year Jordan Stout take time from him as the kickoff specialist, which is probably indicative of some wear that they would like to remove from Tucker's plate. Of course, during the regular season, Tucker was right back there doing the kickoff, so it's not like that that uh, uh, was a permanent solution. But uh, you know, it's maybe something that that uh, that they'll consider going to again. Tucker was next up at the podium. Uh, he, he charming as always. He said he, he he worries about action and not consequence when he kicks. So just keep doing things the right way. Hopefully things will work out, and you're you're not getting too concerned about the the uh, consequences of your action, but you're just trying to you're just trying to get the action right on a play by play basis. That's the way I took it to to mean anyway. He is now the longest tenured Raven, and of course he said he still feels like a rookie who can't be cut and makes millions and millions of dollars. But anyway, he's, uh, uh, he's in a good spot and, uh, uh, he was very good at the podium. Tyler Ott was next up at the podium. He's the long snapper. Uh, he talked about his path to the NFL from being a toe kicker himself. Uh, and I think this might've been in high school, might've even been before then to a long snapper. Uh, he says, uh, this is something that he never really had to think about. He was really a tight end for his college career. And it wasn't until later in his college career that he, that he really saw that his path to the NFL was as a long snapper. And I guess they, they probably, you know, anybody who wanted to talk to him was probably, you know, calling him up with that in mind. And, uh, he thought, you know, that's, that'll work. But uh, the, the plus side of it, he said is that he didn't, ever really have time to think about long snapping and some of the consequences of how important it was. So hopefully that's something he brings to the, uh, this amazing group of players, uh, Jordan Stout, who, uh, Randy Brown, you know, obviously said is the best holder. Um, uh, it's, it's really nice to have a three man wolf pack. And Tucker did mention that he's going to try and come up for a different name for that. Um, but he just really wanted to mash footballs. So uh, maybe the mash brothers or something would be, would be a good way to do it. But anyway, the, the, those three players, extremely talented, and it was nice to get them all at the podium in a single day. Uh, Jordan Stout was the, was the next. He did a punting camp during the offseason. I, I always find that good to hear. Whenever players are doing football-related, position-specific coaching during the offseason, I think it's a very good thing. Uh, doesn't even have to be the perfect situation for it. Although you can make it perfect by finding your mentor in such an arrangement or just having other 
people around the league that you can talk to who played the same position as you. So uh, anyway, glad to hear that Justin, uh, that Jordan, I'm sorry, did that. Uh, he said uh, the, the comment was made to him about, uh, about Randy Brown calling him the best holder in the NFL. And he said uh, he agrees that he's a very good holder and he had some faux humility that kind of went up front of that, but uh, uh, very confident guy, uh, you know, knows he's a good holder and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, his teammates uh, certainly back him up on that and a very positive thing. Broderick Washington was the last man of the stand. Now, Broderick Washington, it was just announced early in the day, had, had signed this contract extension, uh, something we've really been expecting in terms of a um, getting a defensive lineman other than Travis Jones signed for 2024. So this is a big one. Uh, one thing you really take away from Broderick's time at the podium is he's an extremely thoughtful respondent. So... Uh, you're told in a deposition, and I'll, I'll let you think about that for a second. I get another, need another drink here. Nice thing about having two people on the show is that I can get my drinks in, kind of clear my throat with a mute button and whatnot while the other person is talking, and I don't have to, you know, interrupt myself in the in the middle of the show. But I thank you for. Uh, for holding on. Um, but anyway, very thoughtful respondent is Broderick Washington. And he sits there and will wait for five seconds before he starts to answer the question. You can see him kind of moving his head and thinking about what the question is, uh, kind of making facial expressions that, that, that go with that. Uh, and then he starts to answer and, and it's a, you know, it's a considered response uh, he gives you. So you mentioned he was looking forward to sharing the moment with his mom, said he hadn't had the conversation with her yet. It happened this morning, obviously, probably they'll talk again before the weekend comes. Uh, but he, he mentioned her as the motivation for his work, work ethic. He, he grew up with just his mom and uh, uh, his mom just was always working hard to, to keep things going. And uh, they always talk about how Broderick is the hardest working guy in the building, that he's, uh, he's always uh, going at something. He did talk about the other players who were waiting for a, de a deal and said he thought many of those players were more deserving than he was. That is a very smart and thoughtful comment from Broderick Washington. So obviously um, his teammates will be universally happy for him, but they may also be, be a little bit jealous themselves of the fact that he's able to get a deal prior to year four and several of these so the rest of them are not i mean gino stone does not have a new deal um uh patrick queen jk dobbins gus edwards will be a free agent even though he's not a fourth year player uh th there's some others i'm missing pa patrick uh, uh, sorry justin matabike so you know there's there's multiple players on the team who haven't been as fortunate as he does to get the contract and and i think the ravens have picked Broderick uh, for a right player, right price benefit. Broderick is a, is a guy because of where he is in the salary scale that is more likely to um, look at this as divisible benefit is on the table. He'd like to stay in Baltimore and um, they can, uh, you know, each he takes a little bit less risk and a little bit less money and the team benefits from that also and fulfills a need to get the defensive line addressed prior to 24 and also to have another player under contract who 
is affordable with Lamar Jackson making the money he is, with Odell Beckham making the money, with all that dead money that they pushed into 2024. So uh, Washington, a good signing for the Ravens. I'm very happy they they have him uh, for, for the next several years. Uh, one of the other interesting things, uh, they announced at the end of practice, and, and he was you know, uh, congratulated by his teammates. So classy move. You know, whenever guy, somebody gets a promotion – if you can do that and kind of announce it as a surprise in front of a crowd and get the expected response you want, I think that's always a positive thing uh, when you could do that. Um, I was asked about learning from Chuck Smith. His response was he'd be a fool not to, which I think is a great response. So uh, Broderick had great responses. He will do well if he's ever deposed in the future and, uh, uh, that's something that, that doesn't come naturally to everybody. A lot of people kind of, they get defensive in a deposition or they, they're, they're not able to answer questions as they would normally, or they, they, they get nervous, but Broderick Washington seemed to be in the moment today and, and doing a really good job with it. And, uh, uh, very nice to, to hear a mature young man like him at the, at the podium talking about, uh, uh, how happy he was about the situation and, and uh, you know, thanking the right people, realizing, you know, that he's not the only person in this particular contract situation, I think will play well uh, with his teammates. So uh, I thought a good time at the podium as well. Anyway, that does it for the camp notes for August 9th. I will not be back at camp for several days, but we're going to have, of course, the re- regular film study uh, uh, material coming out from the, from the game. So keep an eye out for that. We'll also have a pregame uh, discussion of what to look for uh, on Saturday. And I think that'll be a lot of fun too. So we'll have uh, stuff to do and we, uh, we hope you'll, you'll stay with us and uh, rejoin us for camp notes on eight fifteen, which is the first of two scheduled um, very, what should be very physical practices, joint practices with the commanders. So I'm looking forward to those two. Um, in particular, they'll split the offense and defense onto two fields, and they'll be both going at once. Uh, it's really quite a show. It's very much a three-ring circus. You can't see everything uh, when this is going on, but I'm going to do my best to get in a good position that I can uh, uh, take some good notes and uh, and report on this with, uh, with, with camp notes on that day as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.